Let's close your eyes and pray together. Father, we're not normally together on Thursday night, nor do we normally come together to have communion. We've come, dear God, to remember a very special night in the life of our Savior, Jesus, that has an impact on all of us. Surely, dear God, it was toward the close of this week that Jesus' life was about to come to an end on this earth. And Lord, we've recounted on Sunday mornings his trip into Jericho and out of Jericho, the trip into Bethpage and through Bethany and into the city of Jerusalem. And how he would go into the temple and how he would have that irresistible urge to teach and to share with others. And at the same time, how those in high places were plotting his death instead of benefiting from his presence. And then, dear God, came Thursday night, a very intimate time that you set aside for Jesus and his disciples. Dear God, I thank you that you allow us to be here tonight. For us to remember in our minds and have our hearts warmed as we think about the love that you have for us. You have expressed that love by allowing your own Son to die for us, that we truly might live for eternity. And Father, we're seeking ways tonight to individually and corporately say thank you. There's some folks who are not with us tonight, Lord. There are people in our families and friends and neighbors that are not able to be here for a variety of reasons. I thank you, Lord, that those who are infirmed and those who are ill are looking forward to a much better day. And I pray that all of us would not get caught up in this life, but be like pilgrims who are passing through with our eyes and our heart set on being with you and spending eternity with you. I pray, dear God, that you would use this night to create a new zeal in us, to not be part of this world, but instead to be a witness for you and to have peace in our heart no matter what's going on around us. And have confidence, dear God, that you're in control. And that the love that you have for us will see us through whatever we encounter. Thank you, dear God, for your love. 
and for the multitude of ways you've shown us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd invite you, if you have your Bible with you, to open to the Gospel of Luke, to the 22nd chapter. And we're going to begin with the 14th verse. The Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter, beginning with the 14th verse, and we're going to study through the 23rd. Once you've found your place, please put your finger in your Bible. And with a smile, look up. Thank you, Hank. (laughs) Let's pray together. Father, there's a power in your word that is unique to your word. For your Holy Spirit worked with men throughout the ages to record these words. And we have them, God breathed by you, for the inspiration of our life, to give us guiding principles, and to help us. So, Father, I pray that that would happen tonight. I pray, dear God, that as we move through this passage together, that your Holy Spirit would take what he has already implanted and that he'd make it come alive and jump off the page to us. Please bless our time, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. A few months ago, I received a phone call in Colombia telling me that a friend of mine from the early 1970s He and I were seminarians together, and for many years, were as close as two brothers, if not closer. And the phone call told me that his wife, who I knew was ill, that his wife was dying. I didn't know that she had turned that corner. So my wife and I got in the car, literally stopped what we were doing, and my friend lives in Columbia, South Carolina. And we drove to his home and knocked on the door. And when he opened the door, we just kind of melted together. We went in and sat down in my friend's living room and we talked for a few minutes and he brought me up to date on what was going on in his life and his wife's life. And then he went in and told her that we were in the living room. She really hadn't been receiving any visitors at all. And we were invited into the bedroom and sat down next to her bed. And I would guess 45 minutes at least we sat there. She perked up and she sat up in her bed. And by the grace of God, we had a wonderful time of just recalling years and years of common experiences. And after about 45 minutes, we held hands and I prayed for them. It wasn't too long after that that she went to be with the Lord. 
Now, the reason I tell you about that, and you've probably had similar experiences, is that as you read this passage, that's pretty much what was going on with Jesus and his disciples. It was like an interlude where he said, Whoa! With all these pilgrims in the city of Jerusalem, with all these merchants selling their merchandise, with all of the religious leaders decked out in their finest garb, with all of that going on, I want you, my disciples, to take time to be with me alone. And they went into an upper room for Jesus to talk with them. And talk he did. A very beautiful and very intimate time. And a precursor to all kind of evil that was about to impact his life. And the lives of his disciples and the lives of other believers. Because a whole new era of persecution was about to occur. And Jesus said, not yet. Not yet. Absolutely in control of that moment and all moments. I want you to look at the passage with me. Luke, the 22nd chapter, starting with the 14th verse. And listen very carefully For God has prepared this just for us tonight. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks and said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, and it's a new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man for by whom... He is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which of them it might be who was going to do this thing. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. If you look at that 14th verse, he says, The hour had come. I think he's talking about a couple of things. I think Jesus is, through Luke's words, We're realizing Jesus had an appointed time for this communion, for this special session with his apostles. He'd had the elements of the Passover taken in advance. He had a room providentially set aside. 
So that hour had come. I think also he's saying at an even deeper level, in the whole sequence of events of my whole life, my whole being with you, the time has come for us to do this. We've set this aside. And God does that with all of us. He sets times aside that are uniquely beautiful for us to be in communion with him. He also explains to us that he reclined at the table with his apostles. Things are so very different. Even today in the Middle East, tables aren't tables you can pull chairs up under oftentimes. There are tables with short legs and you sit down next to them and you've got some fluffy pillows that have just enough substance that you can put an elbow on one and prop yourself up. And you push your feet out away from that table and you feed yourself with one hand. Can you picture not the common picture that we all see of Jesus and twelve disciples sitting all on the same side of a table. But instead, can you see what Luke describes? They are around the table with their feet away from the table. Jesus having already washed their feet that very night. If you look down at 15 and 16, you'll see what Jesus began to say. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. He's saying, I've been looking forward to this. This is going to be a special time for us. And I've really been desiring it. And I can almost hear him say, and I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad we're around this table, removed from all the commotion outside, and that we're going to be able to spend this time together. But then he says, before I suffer. You know, if you look back, we know of at least three instances in Scripture where Jesus had said to the apostles, let me tell you what's coming. And he had told them pretty much in sequence that he was going to be arrested, humiliated, physically punished, embarrassed, forced to carry a cross out to what is called Calvary, and that he was going to be hung with two common thieves on a cross, and that he was going to die. And when you read those accounts in the Gospels, you get the sense that the words were said and the disciples didn't want to hear it. There are a lot of times when you and I do that. Someone will say something to us and we begin to hear and we don't like where it's going. So it's just kind of words and they never really impact us. And that's the sense of what happened to the disciples. And now here he is on the doorstep of suffering. And he says to him once again, I want you to know I'm going to suffer. And then he says to them, I want you to know that all this is now going to change for me. And I'm not going to be with you and be involved with you and be doing these things with you again until the fulfillment of the kingdom. 
The kingdom, in some ways, has been fulfilled. In some ways, it's not yet fulfilled. God is still ingathering his children all around the world. And once God has, through the preaching of the gospel, had the gospel preached to everyone and all of his children have responded, the kingdom will come. Jesus will return. And what we call eternal life will begin anew for us and for all other believers. It'll be an experience of being with him. So in some ways what he's saying is, I'm going to be separated from you. Not totally, because he gave his Holy Spirit, didn't he? But physically, he's going to be removed from them. And then if you look at verses 17 and 18, you'll see that he starts to administer the Passover. He's the host, and he is the one who starts to administer it. And what he does at the very beginning of Passover, they take a cup, and they have a prayer over it. And after they give thanks for it, then they pass it from person to person. It's not the Lord's Supper. It's the beginning, the initiation of Passover. And it's interesting because Jesus didn't partake of it. He administered it and started passing it from person to person. And he says an interesting thing. He said, I want you to share in this. You and I have a very unique relationship. It's one that we didn't dream up. It's part of God's plan. And while we come from different backgrounds and we have all kinds of uniqueness, you and I together and other believers have something in common. We have experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the result of that is we are saved. You and I. And he's saying, I want you to share in this cup. You're a family. Typically, when we take communion together, we wait to take the elements. We're going to make an exception tonight, but typically that's what we do. And the reason we do it is because of what Jesus is saying about sharing and sharing together. Folks, if there's anything that stops you from being an active part of the family, do something about that. Don't let the family get fractured. Don't let it have stress. Instead, please God by letting other people be more important than you. And God will be so pleased with that. If you look on down a bit more in 19 and 20, here's where about the fifth stage of the Passover, this is where the Lord's Supper is instituted, right in the midst of Passover. And Jesus takes bread and he breaks that bread in half and he gives thanks again. And he says, this is my body. And what he's saying is, it symbolizes my body. This is for you. So you take and eat of it in remembrance of me. You hear that each time we take communion together.
I was talking with a dear friend today. He lives in Memphis, Tennessee. He grew up a few doors down from us when we lived in Atlanta many, many years ago. And he and our deceased son were very, very close, almost like brothers, for years and years. And I was talking to Brian, and Brian said, You know, Dr. Barton, I made a decision some years ago that whenever I sit down at the table to eat, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask whoever I'm with, whether they're believers or not, if I can pray for them. And he said, a lot of times, I'm doing business with those folks. And he said, I decided not to be concerned about offending them. Instead, I'm going to pray. I said, well, how's that gone? He said, I never have had a problem since I started doing it. And he said, it's amazing. People who would never let me tell them about spiritual things. When I say I'd like to pray for you and your family and your business, they all say, oh, okay, okay. Isn't that interesting? Jesus prayed before the bread. He prayed before the cup. You and I ought to pray every time we pick something up and start to put it in our mouth and say, Father, I know where that came from. Thank you for what you provide for me. And be appreciative of the big things and the small things. And then he says to them, I want you to do this in remembrance. So many communion tables have written across the front, do this in remembrance of me. That's part of what this is all about. He's given this Lord's Supper to us as a remembrance until he comes again. It's kind of his way of saying, let me get your attention again and and let's relive all of this. And don't you forget who you are. And don't you forget how you got where you are. I did it. It's by grace. And I did for you what you can't do for yourself. I have really loved you. So as we take communion tonight and each time we do that together... I encourage you to let it be a time to remember. And then he took a cup. And as he started to pass the cup, he said to them, a new covenant has been poured out for you. Have you heard these words before? So much of what we do together comes right straight out of Scripture. He said, a new covenant has been poured out for you in my blood. And God has taken care of it. He's taken care of you. And he's provided for you. Now, you know, if the passage stopped right there, he didn't ask my advice, nor did he ask my counsel. I would have stopped right there. But instead, it goes on 21 through 23. And in 21 through 23, Jesus says, my betrayer sitting at this table. Can you imagine what the others heard? They've been living together, eating together, sharing together. And now Jesus is saying, but one of you is my betrayer. He makes an interesting statement. He says two things are true about that. One is, it doesn't change anything. It's already been determined. 
And he says that to us. What's going to happen is going to happen because God has ordained it. And what you can hear Jesus saying is, I came to this earth to suffer and die. That was my purpose in coming. And he said, that's going to happen. I'm going to complete my task on this earth. But then you can almost hear in the next breath, he says, but woe unto that betrayer. You hear us, or hear me, fence the table and say, if you have sin in your life and you haven't repented of that sin, then you need to do so before you come to the table. You need to resolve in your own heart of hearts that whatever it is, you're going to get it straight with the Lord and if it's appropriate with other people. You're not going to let that sin linger in you. And Jesus is saying, woe be unto you if you don't do that. Paul says the same thing to us in 1 Corinthians when he says we ought to examine ourselves and make sure that we're okay before we come to this table. Nobody's perfect. Don't strive for that. You're not going to get that. But what you are is covered by the blood. And if you are repentant and wanting to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, that table has been set for you. You know what they did next? I'd like to say, well, what they did next is they sat around and they said to each other, let's talk about Jesus and let's talk about our three and a half years with him. Let's talk about the miracles he worked. Let's talk about the grace he's shown. Let's talk about the love of God. And none of that happened. What they do? They looked at each other and said, I wonder who the betrayer is. And suddenly they were on another track. And that precious moment slipped away. And they, in their lifetime, would never be able to go back and reclaim that moment. You and I need to be very careful as we live our lives. It's so easy for our minds to take us someplace we don't want to be. And Scripture clearly teaches that we become what we think. Folks, that's a scary thought. That we become what we think. We need to keep our focus on Jesus. On what He's done for us. On how much He loves us. And how every idea that He has in the Bible about how we're to live our lives is a good idea. And it will bring pleasure and peace to us. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that God will set the elements aside for a holy use, not change them into anything literal, but to take the bread and the drink and let it minister to us through the power of His Holy Spirit. So that when we leave this place, we will have been engrafted to Him in a beautiful and meaningful way. An engrafting that will last. 
And then some of what we're about to do is going to be pretty routine. I'm going to read a bit from Scripture. I'm going to administrate the elements. When I get through doing that, then we're going to invite our choir, row by row, to come and to either sit or kneel, and we will serve them communion. When they are through, our ushers will be standing in the center aisle, and they will begin to bring you folks up. And again, if you'd like to stay where you are, just hold your hand up, and a couple of our elders will come to you with the elements. If you'd like to come and sit on the front row, that's fine. If you'd like to come and kneel, that's also fine. After you have come through the center, please return by the outside. And that way we have some chance of getting us back in our original seats. Let this be a special time for you. Just kind of unpack let the peace of the Lord be with you. And as you walk down the aisle, thank golly, he's given me the opportunity to come to him. Because he first came to me. Let's pray together. Father, we are very fortunate people. For when you speak through the power of your Holy Spirit, we have the potential to hear. When we come to the table under the power of your Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to experience you. And for all that took place in your life and All that took place in your death and resurrection and ascension all comes alive again. So I ask you, Lord, to bless this special time. I ask you, Father, to set these elements aside. They're nothing more than bread and drink. But I pray, Father, you'd set them aside and that you'd use them to bless us. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved in the Lord, hear what gracious words our Savior Christ says to all those who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Praise God. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Our hymn is number 354. Number 354. Let's stand and sing together.
I've already made reference to the warning that is given to us about being repentant and committing ourselves to walk in the Spirit. If that's not the case, please do not take these elements and bring condemnation on yourself. But if it is, know that this table was set for you and for me. Repentant, imperfect people. Also a reminder to you that this table is for all believers who are in good standing with a church that is a Bible-believing church. You don't have to be Presbyterian. You don't have to be a member just of our church. This is the Lord's table. And you're invited to take part in it. I've explained to you how we're going to take communion in a moment. And I pray it will be a beautiful experience for you. In the midst of the Passover, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke that loaf of bread in half and he started to pass it to his disciples and he said to them, you take and eat of this and when you do it, do it in remembrance of me and I hope you'll do that tonight. And then, at the end of the Passover meal, he took a cup and poured wine into it. And he said to them, A new covenant has been poured out for you. And it's been poured out in my blood for the remission of your sins. So take and drink this in remembrance of what God has done through Jesus for you.